The following is a presentation of the Chicago Bears Network and ChicagoBears.com. Download the Chicago Bears official mobile app for up-to-the-minute Bears content every day. And now, welcome to Bears All Access, your all-access pass into Chicago Bears football. Bears All Access is brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by CDW, Miller Lite, and Hulu. And a pleasant good evening, everybody, and welcome into Bears All Access. Boy, do we have a unique show for you. The amazing technology of a cell phone. I'm on an app from Cancun, Mexico, courtesy of Apple Vacations and the Rio uh, Costa Mujeres Hotel and Resort. And it is a pleasure to bring Bears football to you from Mexico. A lot of Bears fans here. About I'd say about 90 folks have joined us on the trip uh, down here, and so it's been a fun couple of days we're joined by four Chicago Bears. I'm Jeff Joniak. Tom Thayer in studio. Tom, can you hear me all right, buddy? I got you loud and clear, Jeff. I'm envious about the temperatures you're sitting in while we sit inside the offices and the houses we have with coats and hoods on. Right. It was uh, Tom's first question to me today by text was, how are the waves? <laughs> they're, not, they're not surfable, Tom, but there is a nasty wind at times, so they crop up a little bit. And Jim Miller, Jim, are you home yet from the Combine? Are you still in Indy? Yes, the best thing Tom and I got going for us is daylight savings time next next week. Spring forward, we'll get a little bit more sunlight, Jeff, much like yourself. <laughs> I won't rub it in, fellas, and I'll tell you what happened today a bit later on, but right off the top of the show, we're pleased to be joined by uh, the outstanding uh, now second-year linebacker of the Chicago Bears, Roquan Smith, one of the four players here with us in uh, in Cancun. Good to see you. Thanks for taking a few minutes with us, Roquan. Uh you're here with not only uh, some of the uh, defensive guys on the team, but Big Bradley Soul kind of stole the show today at, at uh, the beach drills f- with the fans. But you also have Prince of Mukamara here and Bilal Nichols, one of your uh, teammates on the defensive side of the ball. Good time, isn't it? Absolutely. Enjoying it. Great weather. Uh, great team bonding as well and just enjoying time with those guys. Now, you appreciate the fans even a little more. When you see them here, they are decked head-to-toe in Bears gear. They, a lot of these folks have come to these uh, 13 years in a row. They can't get enough of it, and uh, they were very vocal today, a good time. And you did a nice job today. Did everything, you know, you were the, I think you were the only guy without your shirt off today. I mean, you know what? Showing off a little bit, right? Hey, you know, I work out a little bit, so I deserve to show it off in the sun somewhat. But it's definitely great having a lot of those dedicated fans out. So it's great having fans like that behind you. You know, Tom and Jim have at it. Roquan, after the fun is over this week, you know, Ryan Pace said in his press conference this past week, instincts and speed are the two best traits of Roquan Smith. So this offseason, what is your focus to make Roquan a better player in year two? I would say just improving on all aspects of my game. Nothing in particular that I'm doing. I want to pretty much be the same size, uh, improve my speed if I can do that, uh, get stronger, obviously, um, and just do everything better, you know, just improve on the little things, and I feel like that, and I feel like that'll take my game to the uh, next level. What about for you, Roquan? Jim Miller here. Good to talk to you again, and and just – how quickly did it take you to, to settle in into the defense? Here you have the, the long holdout, but lo and behold, you arrive for the Bears. You get an early sack, but how, how quickly till it was when you felt comfortable and were really just out there reacting and maybe not thinking as much in terms of learning the defense? 
I would say week in and week out, I felt like I constantly improved uh, from like game one to game seven. And then I felt like around like game nine or 10, I felt like I was really comfortable doing whatever throughout the defense as well as playing at a different speed. So when you're doing that and not thinking at all, it's definitely great. And it makes you fly around and uh, makes you make a lot more plays for sure. Uh, we're with Roquan Smith here in Cancun, Mexico. I thought I'd never say that, right? Huh? How about it? I mean, from Bilal Nichols, who's my next door neighbor, this is the first time, fellas, he's ever been out of the country. So he's he's digging it, and it is a great a great beach uh, resort, obviously, uh, Rio here in Cancun and, and Apple Vacations. But a year ago at this time, you're at the Combine trying to impress folks, and you certainly did. You had a great Combine. You were the eighth pick in the draft. Uh, does it seem a long time ago? And when you were getting ready for that, how much of that translated into what you did here with the Chicago Bears in 2018? Uh, I, I would feel like a little bit of that did, but it was great, you know, experiencing that. You know, not many can say they experienced the uh, NFL combine. And so having the opportunity to perform now, that was great. And then doing what I did and then in the interview process, I met a lot of great players across the country. So it was definitely great. I enjoyed it. Uh, I felt like I learned a lot through there. Um, and I felt like I carried some of it over, um, some of the drills and different things like that, and some of the other things in the interview process, learned from that and just carrying it on in my day-to-day life. So I felt like I learned in a lot of different aspects. Roquan, after you became familiar with the defense and you had a better understanding, when you look at the offensive side of the football from college, do the blockers stay on you longer, number one, and is it noticeably more difficult to tackle the talent in the NFL than it was in a major college that you played in? Uh, well, there, there is a difference, but playing in the SEC, I definitely think it uh, prepared, like helped me actually go – Get, be ready for the NFL because I felt like the talent level from the SEC to the NFL is maybe just a tad bit uh, more, but I, it's definitely a little more challenging in the NFL because there's no like week in and week out, you're playing the best of the best. It's not like you're going to see a cupcake, so you're going to get the best player, you know, around. And it makes you, brings out the best in everyone. So that's what we love about the game, you know. Well, from your standpoint, did, did it live up to everything you, you thought it was going to be then? When you look at, hey, it's just a step above, it's the best of the best. But I guess in terms of just the workmanlike manner of it, you know, it is professional football, how your teammates prepare themselves, how the professional locker room uh, is, is held. Maybe just touch on it from that standpoint. Did it live up to everything you thought it was going to be in pro football? I came in, um, didn't really have any expectations. I'm just going in like it's a dream to be here, so I'm just going to make the most of the dream. And I just felt I was going to stick to what got me to that point. So whatever my uh, goals were, uh, whatever my work habits were in college, I felt like I would just continue that over into the NFL, and I felt like that would get me to where I want to go. And uh, so far, so good, but there's still obviously room for improvement and um going to continue with that and just continue to keep getting better but I definitely didn't have any expectations I was just looking at it more of a dream come true and living out a dream Georgia product uh, Roquan Smith here with us in Cancun Mexico with Jim Miller Tom Thayer Jeff Joniak Uh, I was at the combine until Saturday and one of the last interviews that I was a part of there was Devin White from LSU and uh, your name was brought up and he said yeah that's my brother and they said hey you're going to follow in the footsteps of Roquan Smith and what he did in the Combine last year and what he did in the NFL in his rookie year. He says, I, I respect what he accomplished. He goes, I'd like to be you know, a top five pick. And he goes out and runs a 4-4-40 and what was it? Uh, exa- no, four, uh, 4-4-2 and he jumped over 40 at the Combine. Now those are just numbers obviously, but it does accentuate his explosion and his speed and he had a great personality too. What do you know about him and how much 
did that impact you that he brought you up? Because now, now you're in the game. Now you're in the league. You had a great rookie year. Led the team in tackles on a, on a 12-win football team that went to the playoffs. Absolutely. I still have a lot, a, a long way to go, but like uh, getting back to the Devin White situation, yeah, he's a great player. I know he's a great player. I hear he's a guy of high character, you know, from the conversations we've had, the times we've hung out. I think I think a lot of him. I think he's a tremendous athlete as well, and uh, I'm excited to see what he's going to do. He's obviously put up some eye-popping numbers at the combine, so if he can go top five, that'll be great. I'm cheering for him, inside linebacker, so need to put a little more respect on the position. So if he can do that, I'll be uh, extremely happy for him. I can't, I think, the, what, the last inside linebacker to go top five was a guy from Wake Forest, Aaron, Aaron Curry, something like that. So it'll be it'll be great to see that, and uh, I'll be very excited for him, and I'm wishing him the best throughout the rest of the process. You know, Roquan, second year in the league, and you're already going through a major coaching change on your side of the ball. Did you ever experience a coaching change that close to you in college? And have you had a chance yet to talk to Coach Chuck Pagano and not necessarily to pick his brain, just to get a feeling of his personality? So the crazy thing about it is my first year at Georgia, at the end of that year, my head coach, defensive coordinator, everyone left, and then we got Dustin, we got Coach Kirby Smart. So hmm. it's crazy how that all works out, and uh, it's pretty much the same thing. And now, but yeah, I've definitely ch- chopped it up with Chuck as well as uh, Mark, uh, my inside linebacker coach. So I'm very excited to be working with those guys. Guys got a lot of energy. I know they want to do some amazing things, and I, I know they have a tr- good track record. So I'm very excited to get to work and um, see where we can uh, take it. Well, since Jeff put on your scouting cap, I want to take you there too. I want to talk about the the linebacker DeAndre Walker uh, out of Georgia. What what can you tell me about him and and where he's at and what he brings to the table? Uh, I feel he's a little he's a little down now dealing with uh, recent surgery he's had, but like I'm very excited to see where he's go. He has a high ceiling, uh, can do a lot of different things. Tremendous athlete. Uh, from we've been together since like high school, working in camps and then did years at Georgia. So I'm very excited to see where he can go. He goes and uh, he can get after the passer. Uh, I know that for sure. And um, he, he he can make a lot of things happen. He can wreck havoc for sure. All right, Roquan, we're going to let you go. I know you got uh, dinner plans tonight, uh, but, you know, we'll be hanging out a little bit down here at the beach. Got any plans? Uh, I know I know. today you had a good good time, didn't you? I definitely did have a good time. Even swim with the Dolphins, so that was nice. very exciting. Swim with the Dolphins. That is not something this guy is going to jump in the water and do. <laughs> but that's, you know, these young guys, they can have that kind of fun. Hey, thanks so much for the thanks, time. Thanks, Roquan. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Roquan Smith, what a great rookie year it was. Who could not forget the first snap sack against the Green Bay Packers in the season opener. And it looks like it'll be the Bears and Packers in the season opener again, if all reports are true, as we continue on here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. And welcome back to Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy, a proud partner of the Chicago Bears, providing electricity, natural gas, and home warranty products to over 1 million customers across the country. Learn more about IGS Energy at IGS.com. Jeff Joniak here in Cancun, Mexico. Apple Vacations and the Rio uh, Costa Mujeres. Guys, it's uh, unbelievable weather here. <laughs> but what I love today, uh, the guys I mentioned at the top of the show, Roquan and Balan Nichols, and Bradley Souls here, the offensive lineman, Prince of Mukamara. This is the interaction with the fans. So today on the beach was the drills that you guys, you know, always make fun of me from last year about when I caught a football in the face <laughs> from an unsuspecting kicker. Um, they really, they really were knocking down these drills. Like Prince of Mukamara is teaching them true defensive back drills, footwork and flipping your hips and all that, and they enjoyed it. They enjoyed it. It was two hours of that, and they did not 
want to leave. I, I thought that was pretty cool. You know, that's why those players are there. It's their personalities that I, I think they're in the position they're in. They're really gracious to the fans and the people they get a chance to meet. I told you last week on the show I thought Bradley Soule was going to be the guy that was going to stand out because he does have a dynamic personality. And when you see him playing tight end, you see him playing running back, you see him playing offensive tackle, he's a really good long snapper that he net doesn't have to do because other teams hire a guy just for that position. So, you know, I think the fans are really fortunate too because when you get these instructions from guys like Prince and Blau and all the whole crew – you're getting them from uh, in, a, in a really fun atmosphere for from an NFL player, and you know it, it's a great time for those players as well as it is the fans. Well, evidently the Chicago Bears didn't want to tweet out the techniques because all I saw was Prince Amukamara doing the salsa on the beach. Uh, yeah. is what I saw. So I didn't see yeah, any he, techniques he, that you were talking. He's about. Practi- <laughs> he's practicing the post touchdown oh, celebration. Oh, that's what it is. That's yeah, what it yeah, is. Yeah, he, he definitely was doing the salsa, and uh, it was Bradley Sewell who who got the idea. So at halftime of the of the day, the halftime was club dub, and it was Bradley Sewell who got him jumping. And let me tell you, it was very entertaining. And of course, Anthony Adams, otherwise known as Spice, otherwise known as his alter ego here, was Coach Dun Dun. So Coach <laughs> Dun Dun had the high tube socks, the 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 Ditka you know Platteville era uh, pants, the shorts. And he had the the, uh, the visor and all that, and boy, was that entertaining. So the offense and defensive lines, Sewell against Anthony Adams. A couple guys got after it pretty seriously, and I thought it was a little crazy what these fans were doing, but it, w- it was a lot of fun to see. Also learned that Bradley, not only because he could have been a, a, a very good pitcher, he was a very good pitcher in baseball, he had very good velocity on his throws, and he's also a scratch golfer. So yep. you talk about an all-around athlete. My goodness, at 6'7". He's the be- he is the- one of the best big men golfers I've ever seen. To be so organized at that, you know, that hand-eye coordination to have, you know, the size he has, it's it's impressive. Anyway, so Jim, um, let's uh, let's switch to the combine real quick. Um, early in the week, we heard from Matt Nagy and also uh, General Manager Ryan Pace. Obviously, people want to know about a couple of key free agents and the developments of the week and with the agents all around, you're going to hear a lot of reports, a lot of guys in the field nationally and locally from Chicago trying to check and sniff out what's going to happen with Bryce Callahan and Adrian Amos. It seems like from everything that I've gathered and, li- and reading these reports and listening through the week that, yes, they're going to have a shot at keeping these guys if they want and if they need to or if they feel they need to, given what's available in free agency and what they're going to see. And I didn't see anything today with the defensive backs drills. Um, what's available when they are going to be coming around to their draft space at, in the third round and beyond? What's the feedback you're hearing? Because, Jim, you were there all week and you talked to every general manager, every head coach, and almost every big player in this draft as regards what the Bears might do at that position with, with those two free agents. Yeah, it sounds like they're going to make a, an honest effort to try to resign uh, the players that we talk about. Adrian's been very productive. We talk about sure-handed tackler, Bryce Callahan, very versatile in, in terms of what he brings a, as a nickel back in the NFL. But again, I think it, it always comes down to it's got to be at the right price. You know, Fortunately for the Bears, they're not, not like other teams right now that have to dedicate a lot of money in terms of the franchise tag of any players. They've done a good job about re-signing their own, signing good young players. Went uh, 
really aggressive last year in free agency. Maybe won't have to do that as much this year. Those two players are probably the key components they would like to have back. But again, it, it's got to be at the right price. But in in terms of the draft, we know it's going to be the market is going to be flooded with a lot of players that are out there. You know, here, another safety released uh, by the Tennessee Titans today, Jonathan Cyprian. He's coming off a, uh, you know, an ACL, and certainly Tennessee's probably looking to resign him. But we've seen Tyron Matthew. The, the safety population out there in free agency is, is pretty deep right now. There's going to be more corners that are going to be out there on the, on the free agent market. And you want to know what? And then you tap into the combine. In the draft, there's talented players coming out. We know how uh, players have become impact players. Adrian Amos was a fourth-round pick. You made an instant impact out of Penn State. You know, you look at other players. Eddie Jackson, look at his impact and that he's had for, for the Chicago Bears. Kyle Fuller, here's a high draft pick, has his ups and downs. He's re-signed by the Bears, a drafted player that returned home uh, to Chicago. So who are those players? We know early in the draft, at least all the feedback coming out uh, of what we saw this past weekend, defensive linemen are fantastic. It is stacked in terms of the edge rushers and the defensive linemen that are out there. A lot of guys tested well, so it's going to push good players down the board uh, for the Chicago Bears. Quarterbacks starting to move up. Again, that's going to push good players down the board. And you look at players today that went out there and performed from the defensive back. That LSU uh, corner, Greedy Williams, some people don't think he's aggressive enough in tackling. He could put on some weight, but he runs a terrific time. 6'2", 185. I thought he displayed himself very well. Byron Murphy, Washington State. Here's a guy, could it be a nickel corner? He, I think, balled out. He's uh, projected to be a first-round draft pick. So there are players out there. DeAndre Baker would be another one. Should have asked uh, uh, Roquan about him. There's the Georgia product. He's a player that I think uh, displayed very, displayed himself very well. I think he's a guy who could be versatile in terms of the secondary, whether it's at a slot corner or ultimately uh, lines up outside. So you know, they're, they're there, Jeff. They're definitely there. You know, one thing about this draft, in Ryan's initial press conference, he said that he's going to treat this combine as if they had a first and a second rounder because he said a lot of these guys come up as free agents throughout their career and they like to have these interviews on record to to go back and look at the information. I like that forward thinking of Ryan. I think it's really smart when you don't have it. And then when you look at the combine, 17 wide receivers, 6'2 or better in in that group of wide receivers. And then you start thinking about the Bears nowadays and what Matt Nagy offers, and you think about the tight ends. There's there's a, a solid online tight end group, and there's the U tight end, the Trey Burton style of tight ends. There's, there's a lot of them out there that makes it interesting. But the thing about it is, I think after having the experience of living through the Bears season, this combine, I looked at the tight ends and the running backs completely different than I did a year ago. And, and for the previous years in the history of the Bears, I think that's the two positions offensively that changed the most for me when I was looking at the talent during the draft or during well, the combine. But that you you need specifics in the style depending upon what tight end you're going to be. So it's not like one tight end lumped in and is going to do a little bit of everything. They have the specific U tight end and these guys like Faint or Fant that can run out of Iowa, or you have the other big guys that, that can play on the online tight, uh, tight end. And then when I think of the running back position – for years, you guys, we thought about the running back, the bigger style of running back, the four yards, you know, plus. Nowadays, 
It's like I need to see an athlete at the running back position. I need to see a running back that can catch the ball as well as he can run the ball. And it maybe changes your thinking process of, of a first and second down running back that you may be attracted to because of size and power. But now you got to think, hey, can this guy catch? Can he be the primary receiver coming out of the huddle in, in, the, pass, in the passing game? And so it, that's changed for me in looking at those well, two positions. It, it'll be interesting because the Bears don't have the – um, you know the high pick and the high picks. I I should say and are selecting later. Just you know how good and I I do think and a lot of people think that the draft is going to be deeper later. You know where good players are going to be there in the second even the the third round. I think one of those players who got hurt at the combine and I'm talking about that Kendall Sheffield, uh, <coughs> excuse me the the corner from Ohio State because he tore his pec. You know something like that could push him down the board a little bit. And then, lo and behold, a good corner's waiting there for Chicago with where they're selecting uh, in the third round. So I think it'll be interesting. There's good players that I think Matt Nag- or excuse me, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are going to dive into, and they'll be there, and I think we've seen them uncover them before. What I like about it, what I liked hearing about from Ryan Pace, just a very stern confidence about what he wants to do and what he is going to be capable of of accumulating despite not having a first or second round pick and for now with a third to start the festivities in the 2019 draft but not discounting a move up into the second round if there's somebody that he absolutely wants he usually goes and gets what he wants we'll continue on we'll start taking your phone calls to 312-644-6767 jeff joniak tom thayer jim miller on chicago sports radio 670 the score And from Cancun, Mexico, we are back on Bears All Access uh, here with the Apple Vacations crew and some Bears players. We got Roquan Smith, Prince of Mucamara, Bradley Sewell, and Bilal Nichols all here enjoying the festivities and uh, a great start to the trip indeed as we get set for the 2019 season. A lot of excited Bears fans and excited Bears. They are very excited about what's ahead. Uh, Bilal Nichols, I had a long conversation with uh, today, just super excited about what's to come to the Chicago Bears here in 2019. They feel like a lot of unfinished business, and I think that's the theme we'll hear from these guys, uh, Tom and Jim, throughout the course of the offseason program as they get ready for training camp. You know, one thing about Blyle Nichols, he's got to be excited because Jay Rogers' defensive line coach got an award over the week to be in the defensive line coach, uh, position coach of the year, which is a, you know, it's a high praise, a high compliment to the hiring of him, first of all, the development of his coaching style and his techniques, and then the st- then the ability to develop young players and veteran players into playing quality football from Akeem Hicks down to Blau Nichols, and he gives equal coaching to every one of them, and, and it's a, it gives these guys a great opportunity to succeed in their career. Yeah, I think they're you know they've got to be motivated to take a, a step forward. One, they're coming off a, a great season. They got to keep that cohesiveness and continuity as a team. And and as Tom knows, just go out there, compete. You know, push your push your teammate, push one another uh, to try and strive for better going into to 2019. I think the team has the character. They've displayed that, that they want to strive and, and continue to, to, to push forward to, to really take a step further than what they did a, a year ago. It's unfortunate how they ended because they were a good enough team to continue, but I, I think you just you got to be hungrier. I think they know they're, they're not going to settle for that, and they've got to push one another. All right. You know, from the combine, some of the uh, the drills and uh, success of some of these guys, DK Metcalf, the receiver from Ole Miss, how do you run a 4-3-3 three, three 
40 and a half vertical, 11 2 broad at 6'3, 228. And then Montez Sweet of Mississippi State at 260, running a 4440, 44140 at 6'6, 260. Can you explain that to me, fellas? These guys are training for it, Jeff, and they're they're kind of fortunate that they only have to do it twice a year, and that's at the combine and at the pro day, and you get the best of the best. It's you you specifically train for the tests that you're going to go through, and then you kind of change your training as soon as the combine's done. You're not getting ready to run any more forties. You're trying to get stronger as a football player, not as an endurance athlete, to see how many times you can do two twenty five. So there's a lot more job structure that you have to start investing in yourself once the combine's over yeah you saw all those displays of talent and it's it's impressive um however do all those numbers compute into anticipating a ball that's coming out of an NFL quarterback's hands at blazing speed with the safety that's going to light you up? Um, you know, can all these guys fulfill the obligations of their jobs even though they tested so well? Because um, just you know, to give a quick story, when I was going through a combine, there was a guy, Dave Dreschler. He was an offensive guard out of North Carolina, and he wasn't strong in the bench. He wasn't overwhelming looking. He got drafted in the second round by the Green Bay Packers. So sometimes, you know, I, I don't. I think he injured his back and never really had any time spent with them. However, you know, it's not always what you do; it's the evaluation of the personnel that's you know has eye contact with you. And I think that you know, you look at the representation as as Tom mentioned; they've got it down to a science. Remember when Mamula, who everybody diagnoses as a draft bust by the Philadelphia Eagles, he was one of the first guys for to test for all those tests. You know, in terms of, you know, the short shuttle and the techniques in the 40. And here he, you know, he has his breakout combine and everybody thinks he's going to be the greatest pass rusher ever. And he just kind of had a so-so career. It's not, you know, he didn't have a bad career. He he just never got above dominating double-digit sacks uh, in, a, in his five-year career for Philadelphia Eagles. So I think a lot of people put him in the bus category. But I'm with Tom. I think these guys... Train it to perfection, you know. Even if it's a, a what everybody expects a top pick now in, in in Kyler Murray, the the Oklahoma quarterback comes in weighing over two hundred. That's no different than what Teddy Bridgewater uh, did when ultimately he was drafted uh, by the Minnesota Vikings late in the first round. Went in there beefed up, you know, got to like two hundred and I think it was like seventeen pounds, and then lo and behold, a week later he's he's back down to two oh seven. You know, so you know they're prepared for what's being asked of them, and of course you got to do all the the character side of it. You know, for Montez, who you mentioned, who blew it up at Mississippi State defensive end, there's a reason why he wasn't asked to return to Michigan State. You know, that's why he ended up uh, down there in Mississippi State uh, to play football. I think he's a terrific athlete, but you got to uncover what were his issues and why it didn't work out at his first stop in college before he put up record-setting numbers there as, as a pass rusher and defensive end at Mississippi State. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, and Jim Miller with you on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Herb Lawrence and Mike Chen, our producers, helping us out tonight as we bring the show to you from all over the country uh, and internationally. Cancun, Mexico, and Michigan, and Tom in uh, freezing Chicago. Are you feeling a little left out, Big Tom? Not at all. Enjoy being here, and uh, you know, I, I believe me, I have enough beach time in my life to know what you're enjoying. You. So, I, you know, I'm envious only, you know, by association. Jeff, just your spirit and happiness just warms this whole network. We feel good right now. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. If you want to jump on, let's talk kickers because there were three in Indianapolis. They're trying to get drafted. All three met with the Bears. You got LSU's Cole Tracy, Utah's Matthew Gay, and Oklahoma's Eastern. 
Seibert. I interviewed Seibert and I interviewed Gay, and much of the conversation was about mental toughness because I was trying to find out where their heads are at when things don't go well. And obviously the Cody Parkey situation is really prevalent right now. It was brought up by other reporters and they had strong feelings about how Cody is as a kicker. They happen to be aware of him in certain cases in Oklahoma. An assistant coach worked with Parkey, so Austin Seibert knows of him and they have a lot of respect for him. Um, and then just how it all unfolded after missing the playoff kick and the criticism and so forth. So these guys are well aware of it. They are well aware of what they are walking into. And in the case of Seibert, he, he missed 16 kicks in college over his four years. He, he made a lot of big kicks, but he missed kicks. And he, he said he took a ton of criticism and he had to just learn not to listen to it. Do you think that it's that easy to do when you get to the NFL if you experience it even in college? No, I, I think that you need to surround kickers by pressure. And I think you need to have bodies around them. You need to have confusion. You need to have hecklers and you need to have noise. Because, you know, whether you go look at the tryout of Robbie Gold when he initially signed with the Bears and they had six or seven guys there and they're kicking and whoever kicks the best is going to win the job. And there's six or seven of your peers that are looking at you and that's an enormous amount of pressure. And so I, I think that's what you need. So you talk about going and kicking in the perfect combine situation, indoors and all that, no pressure at all. Um, when I go back, and I know you don't want me to bring it up, but Saturday night I was watching an AAF game. They're playing out in Utah, and it snows the whole game. So you got Steve Spurrier coaching against Erickson. And if you want to go back and you want to look at kickers with pressure on them, go back and you look at the kickers. In the, I, I, You laugh. I mean, you laugh, but no, it's I'm fact. It, I'm, not, I'm not laughing. No, I know. I'm just saying, you know, Jeff, you, you need to see examples of pressure, and you need to see examples of really – crummy conditions that you're being really successful and when I look at the kicks that those two guys hit the other night and those conditions I would be more more to go investigate that talent that I'm seeing actually being used than to bring a guy in a perfect scenario where he's kicking he's got a holder and he's hitting him from 55 I need to see pressure I need to see what your plant fit foot is doing when it's on a three quarters of an inch of snow it's still snowing and you're still banging them from 40 and 50 yards well you bring up a good point and that's why Matt Gay of Utah you know probably is kicked in those kind of can get conditions and also you know you think of the other two kickers that you mentioned and and Cole Tracy and Austin Seibert out of Oklahoma you know how many times were they behind how many pressure kicks has they made I think that's a good thing that uh, Seibert, like you said, has missed a lot of kicks and he's had to overcome that. He probably had, you know, was getting heckled by the fans. He's coming out of the tunnel, and I'm sure they were saying certain things to him. You do have to have a, a certain mental toughness to overcome it. But game-winning kicks, when kicks are on the line. Last time I checked, Oklahoma won a lot of games, both with uh, Baker Mayfield and, and Kyler Murray, and sometimes by a lot. So how many pressure situations what he is, has he been in? And I think that's what really Ryan Pace is looking to uncover when you look at all the kickers coming out this year. Well, he did miss a game winner against Army last season. That was the one I asked him what his worst moment was in terms of a kick he'd want back and the one he was most happy about. But it was an Ohio State game and the Army game. But then last year he made his final 14 kicks, so he rebounded well. Uh, different size kickers, too. I don't know what we're looking for, and I don't know if the Bears are going to be interested in even considering drafting one, but a guy like... Uh, Cybert is 5'9", Gay a bigger guy at 6'1", 220. 
and Tracy at 511-188 if you're keeping score on all that. We'll continue on. 312-644-6767. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Back with you on Bears All Access. Thanks for joining us tonight. Herb Lawrence, Mike Chen, our producers. 312-644-6767. If you want to hop in and talk a little Bears football or little combine review with Jim Miller, Jeff Joniak, and Tom Thayer in our Chicago studios. I'm in Cancun, Mexico. Thanks again to Apple Vacations and the Rio Costa Mujeres. Just a beautiful facility and a good week planned for all Bears fans on the journey. We'll continue on with combine talk. Uh, but first, a little look to free agency because, fellas, clearly teams don't want to just let their pass rushers walk, and you never do. You never can have enough of them. So a bunch of guys were franchised. Demarcus Lawrence, Frank Clark, uh, Jadavian Clowney. I'm hearing, though, Kansas City open to, even though they franchised D Ford, open to trading D Ford. Um, And there were many more that also got tagged. Uh, it, It doesn't surprise me. Does it surprise you guys? No, you know, it, no, it doesn't because, you know, if there is such a high price tag on those types of players, then why would you just let them walk? And um, if some of these teams have intentions of trying to franchise a guy and then sign him to a long-term deal, if, if they believe that much in that player, because, you know, that, that's really a tricky a tricky situation, and the, per, and the player that's getting franchise tag, he's, he, he's got to be the right person. Because, yeah, these guys are still working for a bigger contract, a bigger opportunity. But sometimes if you know you're only getting franchised for one year, sometimes you get into that protective mode, and that's not a good way to play football. Whether you're a college senior trying to protect yourself or a free agent, you know, a guy that's trying to gain his free agent opportunity in the NFL. Well, Demarcus Lawrence is interesting because this is the second year he's been tagged, and I think we know the reasons why Dallas did it a year ago. He's had the shoulder injury. He's had the -the off-the-field problems where he was dealing with suspension. They did offer him an early deal. Uh, leading up to the to the combine, but let's face it, the guy's going to want you know minimum his tag this year because it's the second time he's been tagged. He's going to want twenty million a year because that's what his tag comes in at. So you're basically looking at a at a five year over a hundred million dollar deal uh, for Demarcus Lawrence. And let's be honest, Frank Clark is looking at that way too because he finds he thinks he's probably every bit as good is DeMarcus Lawrence and probably why Seattle couldn't get a, a long-term deal done with him. Now watch if DeMarcus does sign first, that's what Frank Clark is going to want. He's going to want to be in the neighborhood of what DeMarcus Lawrence gets. The other two guys are interesting. Jadavian Clowney, for me, the, the injury history with him and I think the motivation, he doesn't practice a lot uh, for uh, the, the Houston Texans. So I think they're kind of like, hey, why not we just we'll slap the tag on him and it'll be a wait-and-see look. And I think ultimately he ends up walking. He'll play this year under the tag and then he'll move on. And D Ford's kind of out of position. This one's kind of going to go to an arbiter, i got to believe, because they're going to tag him as a linebacker because that's what he's going to be in Steve Spagnuolo's uh, defense uh, down there and ultimately why he eventually, ultimately will probably be traded. Uh, for that football team. They're looking for more of defensive ends in the traditional mold, and D. Ford's a little light from that standpoint and probably why they won't get a long-term deal done with him either. Nick Foles, uh, looks like he's headed to the Jaguars. Thoughts? This year's Case Keenum. You know, you think of Case Keenum and and the all the analytics they tried to justify him going to sign in Denver, and now Denver they go and trade for Joe Flacco. Then you bring in Nick Foles, who really hasn't had a lot of success outside his opportunities with Philly. And you look at the supporting cast he has there. Now you go and you look. Okay, 
what type of system are you going down to Jacksonville to run? You're not going to run the Doug Peterson system. Are you going to run a system that um, is is more of an Eli Manning, uh, Tom Coughlin type system that's a straight dropback system and you have an average offensive line? So I, I question that move. And, but, you know, that's one of the benefits for Nick Folds of playing so well and the same benefit that Case Keenum was given in Denver, but listen, it's it's about production, and you, you know, these it seems like some of these veteran quarterbacks with question marks could be one year wonders in some cases. Yeah, it's it's interesting here. Philadelphia elects not to tag Nick Foles. We know the reasons why they they believe in Carson Wentz. They drafted him to be the uh, the franchise of of that football team, and ultimately, even though it's free agency, they let Nick Foles walk, and they'll probably get third round compensation for what he's done over the past couple of years, how he's performed in the playoffs. He's won a Super Bowl. He's an MVP of a, a Super Bowl. Knows John Filippo very well from his days in Philadelphia. But really, the market's not out there for Nick Foles. There hasn't been any talk of him potentially maybe joining the uh, the Miami Dolphins. I mean, think about it. He's unrestricted right now. And, you know, Washington, that they've got a huge injury at their quarterback spot. You don't see any interest from the Washington Redskins right now. We'll see if it picks up as it gets closer. But already linked to Jacksonville. And I think uh, for all the reasons what Tom just said, it's kind of a pounded offense what they want to be with the running back Leonard Fournette. But I do think DeFilippo, he'll try to model it after the Philadelphia Eagles and what they did offensively. But, man, I, I just don't know if they got the weapons outside, and I don't know if Nick Foles is really going to cash in. I doubt that he'll get the, the money that he's looking for, which a lot of people think he's, he's a franchise quarterback, no doubt. But I just don't think that number will be over, say, $30 million, what some of the quarterbacks have gotten a year because there's really only one team interested from what we see. Okay, well, Jim, let me, let me just ask you a question, Jeff, also. So now you look at the situation that's brewing in Arizona. First of all, if the GM hired – drafted Josh Rosen last year and he's going to draft Kyler Murray this year I'd fire him because you're not going to have a franchise quarterback and you think his value is going to be maybe a third rounder on the open market so Jim Washington Redskins you talk about a a quarterback that may be able to get him through a couple seasons that once was looked at the possible first pick in the draft what are your thoughts on the Josh Rosen scenario yeah I mean it's interesting because I'm with you Tom here, you got to believe that, you know, Bidwell and the, and the ownership out there, and even Steve Kine, who's the general manager who committed, uh, you know, a top pick to Josh Rosen, during the interview process, you got to believe it was brought up, hey, can you win with Josh Rosen as a quarterback? And in order to get offered the job for, for Arizona, you would say yes, that, hey, I can win with this quarterback. We're going to have to build this around him. I've worked with pocket passers before, which uh, Cliff Kingsbury has, but when you have the discussions like, hey, we believe this is a more explosive player. I can structure a different style of offense that maybe brings excitement uh, for the for the ticket holders that are out there for the Arizona Cardinals. So I'm with you, Tom. I, I, I you know, here they were backtracking from about the Kyler Murray pick as number one oh. I would get it out there known that say, Hey, we are interested in Kyler Murray. Get the fan base excited about it, which is going to promote uh, ticket sales, and then they have, if they elect to move on, which they don't have to. I mean, think about the, the, the rookie quarterback contracts. It's not like they're getting buried. It's right. not like it used to be. They're not paying one guy $20 million and the other guy's coming in at you know basically league minimum with where they're slotted and slated right now. So they could carry both quarterbacks, but you've got to secure if they do draft Kyler Murray and then potentially they could work maybe a, a third-round pick ultimately for Josh Rosen. And whether that's with 
you know, Miami who could have an opening at quarterback or even the Washington Redskins, I would think it's not going to be for a lot of compensation that they're already giving up on a franchise quarterback if that happens out there in the desert. Hey, Bill Belichick has three third-round picks available. (laughs) You never know. But, you know, I'll just say this. If you feel you made a mistake, or even if you don't feel you made a mistake with Josh Rosen, and you know because this coach evidently believes in Kyler Murray as much as he does, and if this, in fact, is going to happen, if you feel it's going to make you better, you got to do what makes you better. And whatever happened, you got to live with. And hopefully the results in his case, as a general manager, work out in the end. We'll continue on. One more segment to go. It's Jeff Joniak, Jim Miller, and Tom Thayer with you on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Hey, the Chicago Bears Network presents Inside the Bears, brought to you by Verizon. Anthony Adams and Lawrence Creedon cover the world of Bears football on and off the field every Sunday night at 10.35 p.m. on Fox 32 Chicago, or watch anytime at chicagobears.com or on the Bears' official app. And Inside the Bears, otherwise known as ITB, for those involved, like Double A and Lauren, they will have a complete recap of the Bears' trip down here. The, the Bears take the beach here in Cancun, courtesy of Apple Vacations. About 100 folks or so on the trip, and a lot of Bears fans from all over the, the country. And uh, there's some folks from Calgary, Canada, that listened to you, Tom, on the radio, and um, they wanted to say uh, a particular shout-out to you. They appreciate your analysis. But we've got we've got a bunch of all over Chicagoland and northwest Indiana, uh, some folks from Wisconsin, Utah, again, emphasizing that there, there's Bears fans all over the place. And I, I will say this about Anthony Adams today. After the fun and games ended and all that, he was talking with Bilal Nichols, and then Roquan comes over, and... I never really talked in depth with Anthony about defensive line play, technique, and all that. And I got to tell you, he blew me away with what he understands and knows about the game of football. He comes off as just, you know, a funny man sometimes, but he was a a really good nose tackle with quickness for the Bears in a 4-3. Played a 3-4 in San Francisco, was not an ideal fit, and even had him as a defensive end dropping into coverage. And, and it kind of wasted the first two years of his career. But he was talking about... Those days working with Lance Briggs and Brian Erlacher and those guys up front, Julius Peppers, and it was very interesting to hear the t- the types of detail of technique he understood at the defensive line position. Well, you know what's amazing? If you take any defensive lineman, and, and I w- was privy to this with Richard Dent, which it kind of amazed me. So if you give a defensive lineman a scenario, you said, okay, double A, it's it's third and it, uh, it's second and seven midfield right hash. This is the offensive formation. Now give me the rolodex of thoughts going through your head as the offensive line approaches the line of scrimmage, and these defensive linemen will give you an in-depth. Um, investigation of the offense the stances the formation the positioning of the players where they're positioned against the offensive linemen or double team offensive linemen they're going to face it's incredible that how much knowledge that they have to have before the ball is ever snapped to be prepared for what you're going to do once the ball is snapped and it is a continuous thinking process from learning the down a distance breaking the huddle to the ball is snapped yeah, I, th- I thought it was interesting because I remember talking to Mike McCarthy. I think it was the 2010 season uh, for, for Anthony. And, uh, you know, it was a big Bears week game. And I remember Mike McCarthy came on Sirius XM NFL radio. And I said, hey, who's the Bears' best defensive lineman? And right away, he didn't even blink. He said, Anthony Adams by far. 
thought he was the huh. most disruptive, uh, the most athletic, how he came off the ball, how he set up everything else in terms or set up other players, I should say, in, in terms of his technique. And again, I think, you know, players on the team know it, you know, just the respect when you look at Lance Briggs or Brian Urlacher and just how his teammates uh, respected him and, and how he played. And of course, he, he likes to keep it lighthearted. I'm sure players love him from that, too. But he was he was a pretty darn good football player and really put up, uh, had some great years there for the Chicago Bears. You know, it's amazing you know, to I, me when you talk about Anthony Adams and you talk about offensive linemen and you get this big article that I sent you last week, Jeff, about offensive yeah. linemen with short arms, which is a bunch of baloney. Yeah. It's about your feet. Joe Staley. Why don't they? Joe do, Staley. Right. Do, do they measure the arm length of defensive linemen? And, of course. Because Anthony Adams is not a tall guy, but – his ferociousness, his anticipation of the snap count, his ability to disengage from blockers. You know, I, I, I you know, I, I just think that's why when you talk to head coaches and they're impressed with Anthony, it's his desire to play the game, not what his arm length is. Well, you know, they measure everybody's arm length, first of all. But, yeah, it is a big topic when it comes to tackles and guards, and I know it irritates the heck out of you. Uh, his arm length, by the way, was 31 and a half at the combine stumps. when he came out of Penn State. <laughs> That's exactly there are right. stumps, but the guy, is, the guy is a dominating defensive lineman. And I'm sure every offensive lineman that he ever played against throughout the entirety of his career had longer arms than double A. And, and on top of that, we, you know, he loved when offensive linemen tried to cut block him. He thought that was a win because he was so low to the ground at 6'1". He was the one firing out of stance, getting leverage. I, I don't know how you'd feel about not, it as a guard trying to block. <laughs> you can't cut. A, you can't cut a bowling ball. So to, to really to try to sit there and think that you're going to take the legs out from underneath Anthony, you know, Double A or Jerry Ball, who's a similar style of defensive lineman that Double that Double A was that played for the Detroit Lions during my career, is yeah, you're you're not going to take these guys off their feet because they are they're playing with their knees bent, they're playing low to the ground, and they just have great center of balance. And you know, if he keeps on tweeting uh, out these basketball moves, I mean, just the oh my gosh, <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, he was. You know he's on he's on NBA 2K now. <laughs> he the, he is on NBA 2K as Kareem was it Kareem Biggins or Kareem something like that. Anyway, he is a celebrity. He was I saw a video of him playing with the Harlem Globetrotters. Mm. Well, I'll anyway. tell you what. Well, he's extremely athletic for like you said a bowling ball type of player. Extremely, you know athletic in order to get off the ball the amount of moves and things like that and that's why he's always dancing and and showing off the moves from from that standpoint right. what he can do on the basketball court as well you believe me he's an entertainer all right before we wrap things up kind of quickly go tom watched the entire combine uh from the comfort of his own home <laughs> so give me three guys that intrigued you tom i'm putting you on the spot but and three guys that you think you know forget about it it's not happening well you know and jim the, you do the same you know one guy I really liked and jim's gonna have to help me with his name the defensive back from michigan uh he ran in the four fours um he he can play in inside and he can play outside um like i said i wish i knew his name i'm just watching these guys for for the first time um you know i like the quarterback from missouri is his name Locke? look yep yeah drew, I, drew lock yes i i liked him um you know, and, and I, it's and like I said, I like the selection of the running backs. Um, but again, I, I like I said, I look at it differently, trying to think the way that Matt Nagy wants his running back to be equally as talented as catching the ball and throwing the ball. 
Yeah, no, I, I think for me, from from my standpoint, a couple offensive linemen who I, I who I liked and I thought really helped themselves. I think the more and more you think about it, how he worked out, that Andre Dillard from Washington State, I think a lot of people thought he was going to be a second rounder. One, that dude at 310 pounds ran a sub-540. Not that that matters, but just his feet for how big he is and, and how he moves. And I think the other guy that really uh, impressed a lot of, at least from the offensive line coaches, there, there are three centers that will probably be drafted uh, pretty high. It's been a solid uh, group in terms of you know offensive linemen and centers that have gone in the first round, but that Garrett Bradbury from North Carolina State is no joke. He was a tight end who moved uh, to defensive line, then he switched over to the center position. And he was a catcher in baseball in high school. And so here he just wanted to get on the field, start lifting weights, and ends up being a really a, a, a terrific center and I think is going to be a 10-year plug-and-play player. And then, you know, you're, you're going to have dark horses across the board. I know everybody's uh, piped for uh, Danny or Andy Isabella, the kid from UMass. He runs a blazing 4-3-1 at the 40, but he won't be a first-round pick, but he's going to be a tremendous slot receiver in the National What's football. McSorley going to be? Because now they talk about McSorley could be the next Edelman. Is he a quarterback and they, he refused to work out as a receiver? Receiver. I think he'll they'll give him an opportunity at quarterback first, but I think ultimately he'll switch positions. Almost like how Logan Thomas had to switch to a tight end. His first three years in the league, he was a quarterback. Ultimately makes that change to the tight end position, and I think that'll happen for McSorley as well. All right. Well, fellas, uh, good to talk to you. We'll see you soon next week uh, when we head back home from Cancun. But, Jim, uh, take a deep breath now. Free agency's just around the corner, but now you can stay home for a little bit. You've been traveling nonstop. And, Tom, I'll be talking to you tomorrow. All right, Big Jeff. Thanks to Herb Lawrence, Mike Chen. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This wraps up Bears All Access from Cancun, Mexico, my part of this anyway, on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening to this Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears All Access. Podcasts are available on ChicagoBears.com and on iTunes or download the official Bears mobile app. Bears All Access has been brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by CDW, Athletico Physical Therapy, and Ford.